All right. Episode 100. It only took us, I don't know how long, five years? Yes, because Claire is five. And she was like either just born or we did the first episode and then she was born. And then it was like three months or four months later. And we did know that's true. I remember because we recorded before she was born and then you were like, oh, man, I need to get my life straightened out. Yeah, this was so stupid. Why did I do this? And then, uh, yeah. And then then it was like I circled back, but I was good for it. Now, 100 episodes later. Yeah, and then I, you know, and then a couple of years later, Izzy was born, and we never skipped a beat. So I, I, don't I know. know I didn't want. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. That probably says more about me than it does about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe. Anyways, uh, let us uh, let us record episode one hundred Dungeons and Diapers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week, and I'm joined by yet another fantastic person who's been alongside me this entire 100 episodes, uh, fellow Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Welcome to the show. He's in full Deadpool costume, so you can't hear him, um, but it looks great. Uh, so if you hear any rumblings, that's just him. Actually, no, Ryan Reynolds isn't here. It's uh, Crofton. Crofton, how's it going? Woo, Ryan, 100 episodes, a centennial even. I mean, I I can't think of, if there's one other podcast that's hit 100 episodes, I would be surprised. Uh, I mean, we've got to be the first or like top two. Does Joe Rogan have 100 episodes yet? Yeah, yes, he does. Yeah, Joe Rogan, um, he had 100 episodes before he even got bought by Spotify. So uh, I, I would say that of... You know, of all the shows that that release every two weeks, we must be the the first to hit a hundred. Like that's got to be. I mean, or of all the shows done by a Canadian podcaster in Ottawa and a Canadian podcaster in Peterborough, collectively together, this must be the first one that reached a hundred episodes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think that's accurate. I mean, you could also have, have narrowed it down. A little bit further and had a chance to get a dig in by saying probably the only podcast featuring someone who's buried a pool and built a pool on top of it and made it to 100 episodes then you you, much faster with 100 pool jokes yeah i'm although you and i were talking pre-show about like when the pool was buried it was definitely during covid um what? No. The I very like first episode. No. No, it was if it was, it was like you were planning on there's it, it feels like it was early on that you buried the pool. I I don't know. I feel like it was the year cuz oh, here's the thing. I remember after we got rid of the pool, uh I built a uh play structure pretty much with just myself and and Ashley and but I remember having to ask the neighbors for help. And it was during COVID because like we just hadn't seen anybody besides us in our backyard. So it was like 2020 when we built that play structure. So it was the year before, I'm pretty sure, that we got rid of the pool. 
Well, I mean, you would think we would have done some homework here, but clearly no. we have not. And we welcome the Dungeons and Diapers fans who want to go back through the archives and tell us exactly when uh, the pool started. And uh, I will. I just know that it, it continues to live on. And every day I think of it, it, it puts a smile on my face. Um, so thank you for that gift, Ryan. Well, every time I step in the backyard and uh, don't fall into 10 feet of, uh, uh-huh. of pool, I feel pretty good. 10 feet of pool. And we all know you would every time. You'd be like, oh, no, not again. Oh, I've you fallen know. into the deep end. Why don't I... Why don't I just stop falling? You know, no, but, uh, well, you know, it's just it took up the entire backyard. We're not going to get into this. We're not going to do this. I am confident with my choices uh, in having a backyard, and I think uh, the kids are very happy with their uh, small above ground pool that uh, does not pose any hazard to uh, my small children or my small dog or myself for that matter. You know, if I I can't argue with that. If I was them, I'd be happy with the pool too. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you let- did a thing. I want to hear about it because you announced yeah. it on Twitter that you did a thing. So here we go. Joke Watch 2023. <laughs> That's right. You know what's funny about this Joke Watch thing? We we set up. I set it up to to, to keep me honest because I knew myself. I knew that I was just going to talk about wanting to do stand up comedy, but never actually do it. And uh, there, you know, there's a fair amount of gatekeepers and complications and stuff. So. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure that it would it would happen. And if it did happen, I thought there would be multiple segments of Joke Watch. But no, sure enough, Ryan, since last time we recorded, I have done my first open mic. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Feels good. Uh, like, honestly, it feels good just in the way that doing something that you – that is – you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, setting a goal for yourself, accomplishing that goal. And it is funny because I I sort of like uh, reconnected with a, a, a colleague that I work with in another job that does stand up. And she was asking me what my goal was in stand up. Like, what was my goal? And uh, in comedy. And I said, I said, well, you know, I kind of just completed it. My goal was I was looking at it like skydiving or bungee jumping, like, you know, a bucket list. Like I did it right. Um, The goal was to do it. And now I've done it. Uh, Now, the reality is that obviously that's a very base way of looking at it. There's the what I did. And I'll talk about it in some detail in a second is nowhere near what like official stand up would be like. and, And there's definite room for me to grow and to try new things. But it, it was in, an interesting question in that it refocused my mindset to be like, okay, what is next for me? Um, so let me just, let me just dial it back. Last time we did this, I had gone with Bowen Mike to see an open mic, uh, a comedy, and it was at a comedy club. And when I went, it was very enjoyable, but it was also kind of intimidating. A, there was a lot of people there for a Monday night in particular and B, the comics that were there were very good. Like to the extent that I was like, you know, it's not karaoke where you come up and go up sort of, these were people that clearly had, it was not their first go around. I was looking at kind of their polished form, their practiced form and they had sets. And so this is like, it was almost like I was going to see an amateur comedy show, not like, and what I assumed was an open mic, which was of just people going up and and trying their show shot at it which clearly was not not exactly what it was so i i left 
like still enthused, but kind of demotivated in the sense that like, you know, I felt I had a long way to go. And I was like, is this the first place I start an open mic in a comedy club? Feels like it's too hard for me or it's not the right place. So then uh, I went to an open mic at a smaller establishment. Like, a, like it was a, um, there's, there's this sort of uh, comedy a city comedy Facebook group and people are calling spots and there's they're they're at like they just like hole in the wall bars and stuff that have comedy nights and they have open mic nights. So I was like, well, this one, which is called like a workshop open mic at um at this at this local establishment I had never been to before. I was like, I'll try, I'll try that. And it was ironically, we record Ryan on Thursdays, as you know. It was last Thursday. So um, it, 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 that open mic, which I, you know, I, I'm quite attached to now. I'm like, wow, this is a good feel that, that establishment in that area. And it's good. It's on Thursdays. And so like, I was like, I, you know, they're having one this Thursday and there was a spot that opened up and somebody even messaged me about it. And I was like, oh, I could go tonight, but obviously it was our, uh, 100th episode, but like definitely the fact that, that my, one of these open mics is on a Thursday is going to cause me problems in the future. Um, but, but that said, I went to it last Thursday when, and it's always like, you know, I I'm sure listeners feel this way too. As adults, it's weird to go to places solo, like without friends, like you go in, you know, there's an established, somewhat established community there. And you're like, what am I walking into? I'm not a bar guy to begin with. And, and this was like a, a small sort of resto bar. So it wasn't really that, that intimidating, but I'm also an extrovert and an outgoing personality. And I, I leaned on that when I walked in though, it, what became clear to me right away was that almost everybody who was there were comics. Like the, the open mic was for comics to do jokes to comics. Not that there's not people in there, but, but like nobody was like, it's again, it's a Thursday night. I think Shania Twain was playing at blues fest or something. Like there was not nobody in this little little place except for comics themselves trying out new material, kind of on other comics. So I was like the one audience member uh, that that they didn't recognize, which is funny because I could tell they were kind of doing jokes towards me more, and I was trying to give them as much support as possible. And it was interesting because I saw all these fellow comics like scribbling in their notepads and writing on the bar counter and and, and doing different stuff. But I ran into that colleague that I told you about when I walked in the front door and I, I started talking to her right away and she was just getting back into it. And she was going to record her set and was setting up like a mini tripod. Um, and uh, it was all very cool uh, to see, to see everybody kind of like, um, yeah. And I, I started introducing myself to just random people um, because they were mostly introverts. And that's one thing that's kind of funny about stand-up comedians. They'll puff themselves up before they go on stage. But a lot of them are just – or a lot of these amateurs were, you know, kind of sitting quietly or or, or in their notebooks. And I'm like, hey, I'm Crofton. How's it going? Or whatever. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so then I sat down and, and I listened. I was not on the show, but they have this thing called the Lotto where they um, – where, where there's sometimes a lotto spot where if you didn't book a spot, you can put your name in a cup and they draw, they draw um, names at certain points. And it was almost like a movie Ryan, because like there was like five names in the cup and two lotto spots and the two lotto spots went and it, they weren't me. 
And it's also because it's a working it out sort of comedy thing. There were seven minute sets, which are absurdly long. Uh, like it's a really long time for somebody to be up there. Um, and so I'm, I'm listening to all these sets. And unlike the other comedy club, this time I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Some of these, there were some people that were very bad. Like I'll just say it like, and, and maybe purposefully so or trying out stuff and it was just not sticking, but I definitely felt more in my element. Like, oh, I could do this. So I, I, you know, wrote my name down and I put it in the cup and I had just waited. Uh, and then they, every time they would pick the lot, the host would pick a name uh, my heart would sink. And I'm like, oh God, I shouldn't have put my name in there, but it was, it wasn't me. And after two went by, it was still not me. And I was like, oh, looks like I'm off the hook. I'll just watch and enjoy myself the rest of the time. Then, then like, as he's getting through, he's like, who wants to do another lotto? We said only two, but let's do another one. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and then people start drumming on the counter again. And then they pull out the name. And sure enough, it's not me again. And I was oh. like, oh, th- thank goodness. So now I know there's about, like, two names left. And so I'm like, okay, you know, another – that lotto goes up. They were – one of the better ones actually. And, and uh, I had seen them at the comedy club um, the, and it was interesting. Two of the comedians at that open mic were, were two people I'd seen at the comedy club, but they were much less impressive here. And partly that was because the audience is giving them almost nothing. And that's the thing about comics. They're not laughing very much. They're in their notepad waiting for their spot. It's not a great audience uh, in terms of like getting, getting laughs uh, uh, out of, but they're also very supportive, like fist bumps and good jobs and all that all around to everybody. So, but, uh, but yeah, so it was interesting. I was seeing these folks through a different light. I'm like, oh, here they're working on new material. There was one guy who was really big on crowd work at the club, and now he didn't have a crowd to work with, and it became clear that that's all he really had, and he was trying his material, and it was, you know, it was so, you know, so, so he was growing like everybody was. So it was interesting. So then they, then, uh, then the guy is like, you know, uh, the host is like, let's pull. Let's pull one more lotto. Who wants to? Who wants to do one more lotto? People cheer again, which I'm surprised they do because honestly, it means they stay out longer or whatever. If they've got their spot already, like, but they, everybody was cheering and drumming on the uh, drumming on the bar, and then they pull out the name, and sure enough, again, it was not me. Um, and so I was like, oh my god. And, and um, then the, the show was essentially finished. This last person went, and then there was the host said a little bit more words. And just as he was finishing up, he's like, you know what? There's one name left in the cup. He's <laughs> like, should we should we just pull it, but like just give them three minutes instead of seven? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody knew whose name it was, right, except me. And even my friend did not know I had put my name in it. And so they drew it and I put my name just like everybody puts their full name. I just wrote Crofton on mine. And so the guy pulls it up is like Crofton question mark, because he knew everybody who was going up. Like it's all regulars. And I was somebody new and, and he's like, what is this? Like Madonna? Um, because, <laughs> because I didn't use my last name. And then I went, I, I, I went up and he's like, Oh, it's the one audience guy. And he goes to fist bump me and I'm so distracted. I totally whiff on the fist bump and I like, it's really awkward. And, and, uh, but people are laughing because they see, and and I get, I get to the stage and and I said, 
guys, this is my first open mic in my life. And everybody who had been pretty quiet all night started cheering and whooping really supportively. And then then the guy, the, the host who said I just had three minutes says, says like, says, oh, forget about the three minutes then, just go. And I was like, well, like how much time do I have? And he's like, just tell jokes. Just go. And uh, I was like, oh, Jesus. So I started going into some bits that I had. Like, And what's funny, too, is that because some people had, like, notepads and in uh, their phones that they would look at at this one, which was kind of – but I decided not to, even though I have a bad memory. I just decided to go with my gut. And, like, some of the, the, the bits that I have, I felt I could just, like, you know, do so – I, so I ran through this bit that I had. And I think – it's hard to say. I think that it went pretty well. It's, I think that it went pretty well, and um, uh, I got really good feedback for it afterwards from from folks. But like, uh, then then I went into more of a story bit, and then the guy flashed the light at me halfway through my story, so I had to rush it. And the comedians love nothing more than than bloopers. And uh, when he flashed the light, which is what they do to tell you you have time left, I said. Um, I was like, uh, okay, so uh, in the middle of my set, I'm like, so, uh, so I got, I guess I got to wrap it up. And I was telling the story about this, my friend who'd smoked weed once in his life and gotten really scared and went to a veterans hospital instead of a real hospital. And uh, I, I was like, I was in the middle of the story, and I'm like, so he's, yeah, he's like, yeah, you got to wrap it up. And and I just said, so long story short, he's fine now. <laughs> and um. And uh, everybody laughed because it was clearly a blooper and not what I was intending. And and, um, and then uh, I went down and I talked to a bunch of people and they were just like, oh, yeah, no, good on you and and, and all this. But the thing that, that pumped me up the most was I spoke to the bartender and the bartender actually owns the establishment. The lady owned the establishment. She's there every Thursday night for this open mic. And she said, you know, I see all the same people. Sometimes there's a new person. She's like, of all the new people I've ever seen, I can't think of somebody who did better than you first time. Like first time. And I was like, wow, that's great. That makes me feel so good because she's not a comedian that's kind of competitive. She's kind of out of it. She's giving me – like she may want me to come back and buy more Diet Pepsis. I don't know. But uh, but she she was definitely you know supportive. And I, I'm keen on going back and trying some new stuff there. So it was great. I did it. I popped my cherry stand-up style. That's great. No, here's the thing, like you describing your name being chosen, it it just it it gives me flashbacks to like school, like it just that feeling of like, oh, God, don't pick me, don't pick me. Um, it, you know, it, and and uh, just that sinking feeling, you know, but like it, it, you describe it so well. But but I'm glad you went up there. Like, honestly, like it's good that they, you know, when you're describing what happened, I kind of hear it as like. Um, they, he wanted to just go through all the names. Like he they, did, he did know. in the end, like that host decided that he wanted to go through all the names, which was like, Ryan, if I was scripting a movie about a noob, like, like I couldn't have scripted it better that I'd be the last one that I'd be on pins and needles the whole time that, you know, he had no idea who I was or that I had put my name in or that I had never done it before. You know, um, it was really, it was, it was really funny. And to add to the surreal nature of it, like the cherry on top is the host comes up at the end and he's closing up 
And he's like, and these two real people had come into the bar at one point. And he says to the gov, he's like, you know, I realized we didn't do any crowd work tonight because we didn't really even have a crowd. So let me just close it up by doing a little crowd work. Hey, buddy, how's it going? What's in the box? And there were two, there was a guy there and uh, two guys at, at the table. And he opens a box. This guy, he's like, oh, it's just a, it's my harmonica. And, and uh, he's like, come up and play it. And so the guy came up and, and did a sweet harmonica uh, solo to close like some random bar patron uh closes out on their mind so it was a very surreal night and very cool and all of that sort of stuff so i'm 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 looking forward to doing it again and and definitely um uh you know just feel good that i was able to at least try it try it once right um and and know that that like okay i've i've done this i can do it the big one is off my back even though it was just like i i spoke to my friend afterwards and she's like you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to only doing it in front of comics. Like they're a tough audience. They are supportive in many different ways, but like you haven't done it in front of a real audience yet. And I think she's like, I think your material would lend itself well for comedians, like dark jokes for whatever reason. And none of my jokes are dark. (laughs) So, uh, so there, so she's like, I think you would, you would do well with more of a general audience. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, I hope to at one point, but it's kind of a tough it's a tough spot because you've kind of got to do these ones, just comedians joking to other comedians before you get known enough in the community that you can start getting selected for these bigger like club ones. I'm nowhere close to that. I don't even have a tight four minute set yet, but it was uh, it was pretty fun. Right. So does the uh, does the pool joke make it in the pool story? I, I hate oh to no! There's way too much context to to set up to <laughs> yeah. set up that story. I'm like, but I could, you know, like I, <laughs> I, I could see a world where that where where it would make it in there. Like, cause absurd absurdist things like building a pool on top of another pool are let, lend themselves to to humor. I um I went to uh to the mall on the weekend and the escalator skips the second floor it goes from the first floor to the third floor and there's like like we had to sort of solve a puzzle of how to get to the second floor and it it's like it's not like an like can you imagine an elevator that just has a button that just just there's a gap or something but this is an escalator so you're literally going by the second floor like kind of over it and i just thinking to myself i'm like this is the dumbest shit ever and then when i was taking the elevator down to from the third floor to the second floor with the bu- there was a bunch of people in it, and I just said out loud in the elevator, I'm like, how dumb is it that the escalator skips the second floor? And everybody started laughing, and they're like, it's the stupidest thing. And, you know, I was saying out loud what people thought was ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> and part of part of it is identifying those situations and saying it to an audience that appreciates it, right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. But, I mean, like, it's it is still uh... – it is still amazing that you you went out, you did a set, you like are surrounded by strangers. I know you had your support group there as well, but it's just uh, that is. A, I didn't a, have a huge. support group. You didn't. Have, you person. didn't bring any friends along. You didn't bring anybody. No, no I oh, just wow. walked in there solo, and I saw somebody I knew. She was supportive, whatever. But I didn't know. Like, no, I I had nobody. But I, you know, Ryan, like the the going in part. I think that I appreciate. I would appreciate the support group to walk in the door and be like, Hey, but like to get on stage and tell jokes, I know a lot of people would like, 
like they say, like bring a bunch of your friends in the crowd and, and have them laugh at your jokes and stuff. But like what I really wanted was not that. And that would have added stress to me. Like I'm like trying to be funny for my friends who hear me all the time. Like, I mean, it's more cha- – I, I think that's almost more challenging and, and would have been – like at one point I will want friends there. But like I told I told people in my work and stuff, I was like, hey, I did this thing. And they're like, oh, you got to tell us next time you go. We'll go out and see you and support you. And that's super nice. But part of me is like, I don't want that until I know I have a good solid four minutes. You know, I I don't mind bombing in front of people I'm not going to see again or fellow comics, but uh, bombing in front of my like friends who are going to have to pretend and come up to me and be like, yeah, it was good. It was good. Nice. Uh, yeah. Good job. You know, it's just tough getting up there really. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know? So, yeah, so uh, that makes sense. You know, it, I just like if you think about doing like, for example, would you rather go up and do stand up like your first stand up in a, in, in a in a room full of strangers? Or would you rather do it in front of Chad and Ashley? You know, like like uh, people you people, you know, probably I'm, I'm guessing the room full of strangers. I mean, in front of Ashley, that'd be fine. But yeah, no strangers for sure. Uh, you know, I think that uh, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, I can't remember, I did I tell the story on here? And, you know, I think I was telling the story to Ashley's family because we were, we were actually talking about, um, you were going to do stand up and, and, and public, we were talking about public speaking. And I have this quick story. When I was a kid, um, I was never, I've, I've never been a big fan of public speaking, which is funny to think that I do, you know, three to four podcasts uh, a week now. But, um, that is me talking to my that is me talking to my friends. It just happens to be recorded, and then sometimes people will react to it and, and send me messages. It's not like I've done like one live show. But when I was in grade school for public speaking, we you you know in grade school you always have to do the speeches. Like I, I think it's like a it's part of the curriculum uh, shortly after grade five, and I always hated doing it to the point where like I had no idea what to do my speech on, so I just went to the back of the classroom grabbed a random information pamphlet. For some reason, we had these pamphlets in the back. And it was about Arctic wolves. And I just like wrote the speech based on the entire pamphlet <laughs> and uh, and gave the speech in class and like just expect just to get a passing grade. Uh, ended up scoring quite high to the point where, and now I'm thinking back, I think the teacher did this on purpose, the teacher uh, nominated me to go to regionals for for speeches. So I won in the classroom. So then I went to the next phase where a bunch of other people who won in their classroom got to give their speeches at this like big uh, regional uh, celebration. And when I say big, we're talking like the Lions Club Hall uh, in, in Napanee or something. All I know is the Glee kids always wanted to go to regionals, Ryan. I know. And I think like this is not the this is not Glee levels of of regionals. This is not that Ryan Murphy. Um, But anyways, I did the regionals. And and again, like like I said, thinking back now, I feel like the teacher probably knew I phoned it in and was like, watch this and uh, thought like, well, we're going to send you to regionals and you're going to you're going to have to give this stupid speech about Arctic wolves. And I just remember being so nervous that I had uh, I had gas the whole time. So I was like hiccup burping throughout my whole speech. And it was one of those moments where I was just like, I got to get through this and then I can walk off the stage and be done with it. And as you said, Crofton, 
everyone in the room was were strangers except for my mom, uh, who was really nice about the whole thing. And uh, it was terrible, 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 terrible. You know what I would have done, Ryan? And What's like, that? if I was in your, when I realized that it was going south, I would have just walked up to the medic and I would have said, "You know, you know what Arctic wolves they sound like? They they howl, they howl like this." And then I would have just howled like a wolf for like five minutes <laughs> until somebody took a cane and and pulled me off stage. Okay, that was Ryan Murphy, everybody. I'll be like, "Whoa, whoa," you know, like I just. <laughs> That was my best wolf pal. Well, the, the funny thing is, is that uh, it, it very clearly, like, I was, um, I, I was the, uh, I was the, I was not the best speech <laughs> at that. Suffice to say, I did not get first, second, third, fourth, or fifth. I'm pretty sure I ended dead last because the other speeches that were there were were phenomenal. But I, it's so weird that I remember this like to a T. Uh, probably because it was traumatic, but like, uh, learned a valuable lesson. Don't, don't phone in your assignments because teachers will find wild ways to, uh, to teach you a lesson. But yeah, public speaking is not my favorite. <laughs> I just imagine the person in front of you, it's like this valedictory girl. And she's like, and that is why Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech resonated so strongly with me thank you and then she walks off and everybody stands and applauds and like that was so powerful and then ryan comes up and is like <coughs> I, I, i'm here to talk about arctic wolves <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> they, they're uh they got fur and they 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 uh they live in the arctic and uh <laughs> It, uh, they're, they're pro- the fur probably keeps them warm, yeah. really. When, when you, uh, you Get know, off like, the <laughs> boo, <laughs> easy, mom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I appreciate that public speaking is not for everyone. I've always had a facility with public speaking, and it, it does not, inter- um, it does not scare me, and it actually energizes me quite a bit. However, there is a big difference between being pleasantly surprising. Uh, as a funny person, being in a, a a meeting or even emceeing a wedding, which I've done a few times and just being like, ah, I'm, you know, jovial and people are in a good mood to begin with. It's another thing to go on stage when people expect you entertain me, clown, be funny, you know, like that's a, that's a different mindset. But once I saw other people struggle, at, uh, it became I'm like, OK, you know, not everybody is just amazing at this. They, they put in the work and I need to start somewhere. Right. So, um, Ryan, we we uh, we definitely will not be uh, finishing with this because we'll be talking about it again. I'm sure I'm going to have future updates. This is something I'm hoping to do more of. But let us talk about some of the fun stuff that we're doing, as we would on a regular episode of Dungeons and Diapers. That's true. This is uh, this is I think going to be mostly a regular episode. But let's uh, let's head into the dungeons. Before we should tease, we should tease ahead. We should say what's going to be different. We are going to have some words from our respective children on this mm. episode, um, celebrating the 100th episode with us. So you're going to hear from Caden and you're going to hear from Gwen uh, later on. So look forward to that. Yes. Don't hang up. Don't, don't, don't switch podcasts. I don't. Do people. I don't think people accidentally like or tune out of a pot. This isn't a radio. Like if this were a radio show and it was broadcast live, then you could say like, oh, yeah, don't don't close the tab just yet. 
Uh, but I think if you're listening on your podcatcher, like, uh, I like, I like how you're like, it would be, don't touch that dial, Ryan. It wouldn't be, don't close the tab. If you're listening to the radio, I mean, you can listen to the radio online too. Like, that's, okay, whatever. All uh, right. But uh, you're right. You're right. Who do you actually, yeah, no, I'm not going to ask that question. I, of course you listen to the radio. You live in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Let's go into the, uh, the dungeons here because we've got a good chunk of dungeons to talk about starting off with uh not arctic wolves but uh i watched a show ashley and i watched a show and um we've we've talked about this on the show before we're always after the uh the really good 30 minute comedy show you know and um this show is not like a a standard comedy that we would normally watch it is still considered a comedy but it is very much also a drama and we started watching uh, The Bear. This is on Disney Plus. It's an FX show, but it's on Disney Plus here in uh, Canada. And I think in our Avendad's chat, we found out in the States it's on Hulu. And, you know, this isn't going to come as a, a surprise to folks because I know The Bear is quite popular as a show. Uh, the second season just hit this past week, uh, although it's, I think, a bit delayed here in Canada. It'll be arriving uh, next week. But we went through the whole first season and um, just we loved it. Like it was different from what we're used to watching. Um, it was it was funny, but it was it was very dramatic and, and somewhat stressful as well. Uh, so Crofton, just to catch you up and, and listeners as well. The Bear is basically is a show about um, a restaurant in Chicago where uh, the brother, the owner has taken over and he's a big time chef from New York. He's come home to take over this this uh, this restaurant, the family restaurant, after his brother, his older brother, has passed away. And he's trying to make some changes. And I can say this: like the show is chaotic. Like the first few episodes are establishing how the brother is taking over uh, the restaurant and trying to change it from within, but also like his workers. Like there's a lot of yelling, a lot of yelling as they are trying to. Uh, to, to make this kitchen work. So in that sense, it's quite stressful. But over time, over the first 10 episodes in, in the first season, you see these characters evolve, these relationships start to uh, work together more closely to build this more functioning restaurant. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like it's part comedy, part drama, quite stressful at moments where they're like yelling at each other. Um, I, I think for me is not really understanding how like, behind the scenes a kitchen would work i've never i've never worked in a kitchen but like i it's hard to tell like when when is this restaurant open like how are they making money when all they're doing is like yelling at each other and making a couple sandwiches uh, and a couple of plates of food but uh i think that that can be tough to sort of illustrate in a show but um i think it's just like there's some heart there to it as well like even though it is like this very chaotic and sometimes crass show uh, as they're like yelling and swearing at each other. Um, it kind of reminds me a bit of Shameless. And it's got like one of the main actors from Shameless is is the main character here in in The Bear. Uh, so so it's got a bit of that vibe as well uh, in terms of it being like a comedy, but also having some like some heavy moments as well. So, uh, yeah, we're really enjoying it. It's not our standard show that we've watched in the past. Like normally when we look for that 30 minute comedy, we're looking for something like straight up just comedy uh but this was one of those rare exceptions where we were like okay let's give this a shot 
It took us a couple episodes to get into it. I think Ashley was ready to check out after the first two episodes because she's like, this is just a bunch of folks in a tiny room yelling at each other as they make food. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious because this I'll be honest, Ryan, this is on my just on my shows of like I, that I I have on the, my list of like to watch, but yeah. but are kind of a little bit tentative on them due to a lot of people mentioning how stressful it is and such. And like, I'm like, Oh, I I get the feeling like we get into it. It'll be addictive. We'll want to watch it just like you guys made it through, but like taking that first step into the restaurant, so to speak is, is the challenging one. I do have a few questions. So uh, number one, why is it called the bear? Is that the name of the restaurant? Uh, I believe the main, so the main character's last name, uh, is, uh, their nickname is, is, is bear. Um, but I'm trying to remember their actual last name because I, that's kind of the idea. It's weird. Like the show starts, um, with, it's funny. I, I, I Google the bear in the first question. Is the bear a shameless spinoff? No, it is not a spinoff. Um, I'm just trying to pull up the main character's last name cause it, it's his nickname, uh, based on his last name. Um, yeah, so the, the main guy's, the main character's named Carmi, but his, his full name is Carmen uh, Berzato. So they kind of like pull that, they call him, they, they call him the bear. And uh, do they call him the bear on the show? Do they say that? Like, oh, you poked the bear, or the bear's going to come. Like, or or is it just like they call him bear? And the show's called The Bear, or what? What? It, how is it exactly? I'm trying to remember like exactly, but I feel like the family nickname is Bear, right? Like, and it kind of uh, to say more would, would you know, to say specifically more would would kind of spoil some moments. But like essentially, yeah, like it is his last name, and it, and it kind of evolves from there. It is weird though. At the first episode, it kind of starts with this like daydream sequence where he's like on a bridge and there's a literal bear in front of him in a cage it's like right metaphors you know that sort of thing um but that's more of like a misdirection like i think i i didn't realize it till we were further in when they when they finally did make the connection like the bear is kind of i think something that comes into play in the last three episodes uh of the first season yeah of the first season it's just I. The only reason I ask is is because um, it is an first off, it's an odd name for a cooking like a show centered on a restaurant, and a kitchen, and cooking and all that. When I told my wife about it, I was like, "Hey, there's the show, The Bear." I could see she Im- immediately was like, "I." It was like an uphill battle from the title on to sell her on it because I think she thought it might be like some nature show or some whatever. You know, I'm like, it's it's, but but there's no real connection that that makes sense uh, for a layman when you're on the outside and you haven't watched the show. So it's like one of those titles that may make sense when you do watch the show. So that's why I was kind of curious about that. The other question I had, and I don't want you to ruin this. (laughs) Yeah. Don't ruin the show, but I don't want you to ruin this, but episode six of season two, I've seen a lot of people talk specifically about that episode on Twitter and be like, oh, this episode ruined me. Give them all the Emmys for this uh-huh. episode or whatever. Um, is there any way that you can talk about that episode specifically with saying why everybody's so excited about it? Is it different than the others? Is it just a really good episode of the show? Is there something about it that's notable? Did it uh-huh. even stick out to you? 
No, I, I can't say because I haven't I have not watched season two yet. We're still waiting for it to oh, you, arrive in oh, Canada. So, yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, sorry. I, but but I we will watch it like by our next episode. We will we will have at least started it. And, and like I said, it's a 30 minute sort of tight comedy show, comedy drama. And um, and it's dealing a lot with like characters and their relationships between each other and how they work together in this kitchen and how, you know, you can kind of picture it. It's like this family run restaurant and you know the the little brother was never allowed to work there and suddenly his older brother dies and the little brother is is given the restaurant in in his will and this little brother who's like oh cooks at a fancy restaurant the fanciest restaurant in new york and and now he's back at the family restaurant and he's 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 working with staff that he's never worked with before and he's bringing in a system that that they're not familiar with and uh, it's that clash you know but then it's here's the thing I'll say is that like it it that clash is the first three episodes and I think that's where it's stressful and that's kind of where I thought like the bear came in because like there is a lot of yelling there's a lot of aggressive sort of you know the cousin or not cousin but the the guy's name they call him cousin that's his nickname is just this dude for the first three episodes that is just constantly like yelling and poking at people in that really obnoxious way but even that character has these moments where, uh, you know, the layers peel away and he's like, oh, he's actually like a really good guy and he's just going through some shit. Like, that's what the show is about, is like all these characters going through shit and then supporting each other. And and so it's got that heartwarming thing to it as well. It's not, it's not just it's always sunny in Philadelphia where there's just these really shitty people being shitty to each other. It's not like that. It's not that type of comedy slash drama. It is like a drama comedy where they are supportive and they're working with each other. And yes, there are moments of complete chaos and there is that like classic movie trope of like things are going really bad, things are going really good. Oh crap, everything went to hell and everyone hates each other and the next two episodes are going to be about everybody, you know, coming back together. Like it, it does follow that sort of standard drama trope of of like the roller coaster of how the plot's supposed to work but um i thought they handled it really well and it was a really interesting story too right because they they also have a bit of mystery and how you know the brother passed away and what he was going through and and how he was running the restaurant so like there's that aspect to it as well which i found very interesting and uh you know it's uh it's a really good there's a reason people are are you know talking a lot about it and and that was the main reason i i knew of it when the first season arrived and i was kind of like ah, i don't know if this is for us and i kind of walked away and then um and didn't i didn't watch it at that point but then the second season arrived and people as you said were like over the moon about like that one specific episode and the whole season in general and i was like okay it might be time to give this a shot and then the thing that sealed it was like oh it's 30 minute episodes perfect it's exactly what we're looking for uh so yeah, it's I think I think you you would enjoy it. You and you and you and Jess would enjoy it. I think it's one of those things where you got to give it you got to just push through the first couple episodes because it's not that it's bad television. It's just like I I feel like you and I are similar in that the characters. It's a bit much at the beginning. It's a bit stressful. It's a lot of people yelling at each other and it's like it's not it's not a good working environment, but like it does. Uh, to spoil it a little bit, like it does get better for these characters 
before it gets worse. But it does get better. And you kind of settle in, you get to you, you know the characters, and you're fine with with the roller coaster after that. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'm I'm still like there's so much on the TV docket that it's competing with for me, including returns to some of my favorite shows like Only Murders in the Building and The After Party. Mm-hmm. So We'll, we will see. But the good thing about those things is they don't go anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, the idea, it, you know, if we're looking for a good show, I know that it's going to be good. It's just do I want to deal with the stress? But we've watched and enjoyed stressful shows like 24 and stuff like that in the past. So I feel like we can, you know, we can handle some yelling. Jack Bauer yells at a lot of people. He does. Yes. So, Ryan I think this is going to be my first ever musical recommendation on Dungeons and Diapers saved for episode 100. Um, So it's called uh, this, this art is called Wolfie's just fine. Three words. Wolfie's just fine. Have you ever heard of uh, this, this artist before? No, I've not heard of this at all. Okay. So Wolfie's just fine is actually this guy, John LeJoie. Uh, John LaJoy, if you're from the States, I guess. Uh, do you know Do you know John LaJoy? Does that ring a bell for you at all? Probably not. No. But, but it, it, essentially, he was a, he, he's a Montreal comedian who rose to fame for, like, some joke songs that he did uh, it, um, in the, like, I mean, the early 2000s, really. And then he got cast – on this show called The League as Taco. Uh, and The League, it, while it's somewhat dated in some of the tropes, is still a, is a very funny show, and Taco is a funny character on it. Um, but he, he t- to my knowledge, wasn't acting in too much more beyond that. But The League went for quite a few seasons. Um, he came on my radar because I was looking forward to seasons two of The After Party, and I uh, I went back to to some of the songs on the musical episode of season one, which are set, sung by Ben Schwartz's character Jasper. Uh, and there, there's three songs, and they're they're all really good songs and quite funny. Um, and they're written by John Lajoie. A- mm. And uh, and so I was like, what has this guy done? beyond this and he is uh he's now like pivoted from his ridiculous joke songs a uh, profane joke songs to more serious music and his band uh, like his band or or artist name is wolfie's just fine and they've just released a new album or he has again i think he's a one-man show i'm not 100 percent sure on this but wolfie's just fine has just put out their album uh, everyone is dead except us and um that album is really tailor-made for somebody who is a male 43-year-old from Canada, who it just so happens to be me. Um, and so there's there's a couple of songs uh, on there that just play entirely to nostalgia. One is called Mortal Kombat 2 and uh, is an amazing song. And I made my wife listen to it um, – to the to the to the sense that she would think it's amazing too, but she was looking at me like like maybe this only works for you, Crofton. So maybe it's not for everyone, <laughs> but it, it it definitely works for me. The story of the Mortal Kombat two song is great because it's about like being a kid at school and you got this bully who's who who's better at you than everything. Like he can do everything. 
um, better than you, faster, uh, more popular with women, more outgoing. He's beaten you up a few times. But the one thing you're better than him at is Mortal Kombat 2. And uh, and the chorus reinforces that. And then it culminates with him coming into the arcade and them going one-on-one in Mortal Kombat 2. And, you know, as somebody who has not been the most athletic, but has been good at uh, games like GoldenEye and other things where I was the hot shot that people had to beat, being the best at a video game uh, to, th- that makes up for some of your failings in other areas is something that resonates with me a lot. So, And that song is just its a really nice song. The way it's written, the melodies, everything, the chorus, it's great. There's also a song, and this is one of the lead singles, which is uh, Hulk Hogan Slammed Andre the Giant which is uh, it's, uh, him singing about the day that Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant when he was watching it with his friends at his grandmother's house and what a moment in time it was and how now that he's an adult and he looks back whenever he's sad, when he remembers that day, he feels great. And the, just the way that the song is put together, the video for the song is all done with these um, wrestling figurines that were really popular at the time. Uh, my mom wouldn't buy us any, but my friend Adam had a bunch of them, I remember. And it's just like, it's just pure ear nostalgia uh, for me, both those two songs really like capture these moments in time. They tell stories. They resonate so well. Another one is about the bomb diffusing specialist in Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, which is a one of the first movies I went to see in theaters that was like rated R. Um, and uh, and like I remember distinctly, I was really excited to see a new Die Hard movie. And there's just like this side character in it. And he wrote a whole song about that side character. And again, the song is way better than it has any business being. And then there are songs that are just more like regular songs, but that are also good. So I just strongly recommend that that album, uh, Everyone is Dead Except Us. Um, e- even if you just listen to Mortal Kombat 2 or Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant, you'd be you'd be well off. But uh, yeah, Wolfie's just fine. Really good, good album. We're checking out. Yeah. Now looking at... Uh... Uh, John Lavoie's uh, Wikipedia. He looks super familiar. So, like, I think I've heard of him before, um, and I've never watched the league. So, but I, but I, I, I know of the league. So, here's the thing: the I league know. is a funny show, and Taco is funny in it. But he's a funny character in the way that Kramer is a funny character in Seinfeld, in that he, he's not like, um, he's kind of like he's even less of a driving force than Kramer. He's like sort of in the background, but he has some joke songs on that show. And again, they're, they're quite profane generally, but funny, but these songs are not profane. They're just sweet and uh, well done. And he's such a gifted songwriter in, in ways of weaving in like humor, emotion and storytelling into his, into the, the lyrics and the formulation of the song. I just think is so impressive because i do think that joke songs in particular get a bad rap for like okay it's just a joke song if it's not about how you broke my heart baby then it's not like it's not you know a real song and i i i think that um in weird al you know not to besmirch him he has some great original songs um that people sleep on in favor of the parody songs um, and I do think that like some of the construction of those songs are very impressive. Uh, but in this case, uh, John 
LaJoy did a really great job with these P with these songs. And they like, I, I can't wait for there to be a video for the Mortal Kombat two song. I think it would be great. I looked at his last album and it was also good. It had one on a Friday, the 13th movie. And the video for that is, is really good as well. Uh, but I wasn't, I don't have that emotional connection with say Friday, the 13th or watching horror movies with my brothers when, when I was growing up. So, it doesn't hit as much as something like Mortal Kombat does. Uh, but yeah, anyway, just really good. Good stuff. Wolfie's just fine. Everyone is dead except us. My first album recommendation. Get it on Spotify. Yeah, you didn't recommend. Well, you talked about Across the Spider-Verse, uh, but you, did, you didn't say it was as good as Into the Spider-Verse. So yeah, there you go. Um, well, hey, we have one more Dungeons here. We've got uh, Dave the Diver. Both you and I are playing this one. Uh, I'm playing primarily on my Steam Deck, both docked and handheld. And this is a game where you play as Dave. He enjoys diving. Uh, he likes to fish by day, and he loves to run a sushi restaurant by, by night. And that's like the base setup. But Crofton, as you and I have played this game, you know there is way more to this than just fishing and sushi restaurant management before we go into the logistics of the game i did want to talk about one thing ryan which was the steam deck of it all sure. so i i started playing the game on my computer actually i downloaded it on my computer which it's been a while since i talked about my sweet computer screen which you may recall is one of those really like long bendy screens or whatever that's way don't too good it. you don't you didn't bend it did you well, it curves. Oh, it's, it's got a, a curved curve. monitor. Yeah, ooh, ooh. And, and so like, and and the whole point of this big long curved monitor, which I'm so dumb about, is that like it it, it was way too much for my computer. Like my computer cannot put, output an image in the resolution that the monitor is that would like for most games. Like if I inputted it in the in the the resolution that it prefers, then then the whole game would just be a slideshow for most nice fancy games but for dave the diver which is a pixel art game uh it it is it can run in the perfect resolution for my screen and seamlessly obviously because it's not very demanding uh but one thing so i started playing it on my and it's got cloud saves so this is the first game that i've been bouncing back and forth between my steam deck and the computer and I'm pretty much at the point where I cannot play it on Steam Deck anymore. I actually don't even understand, like, if there's a way that I can, like, I went into changing the resolution, but, like, the, there's a lot, like, managing the sushi restaurant, reading the, like, little recipes, like, reading each of the things. When you're diving, some of the, there's these mini fish that are really small or look, at, it's, it seems like it's insanely difficult to see the game on the Steam Deck. Uh, I find as on the Steam Deck's portable screen, like not docked, obviously. Um, I don't know how you're finding it, but like last night I tried to play it while the girls were going to bed and I was like, I'll just wait till I have the computer. I can't play this on Steam Deck. Yeah. Um, this is specifically to the fishing portion or like the whole. No, the whole game, everything right. about it is difficult to play. I found the the hardest part to play is the sushi restaurant, like when you're setting the orders and stuff and and, and like you're you're looking, I can't even read what each of the food things are. Like like uh, the font is so tiny and it's like it's like everything is everything is super super small. I went to the um like I've unlocked now like this fish eggs place or whatever and I, I went there, I couldn't see anything. Like everything is so 
so small. <laughs> diving is a bit better. Diving yeah. is better. You can play it, but but there's elements of diving that are very difficult on the steam deck as well. Because again, like there's these mini fish that later on you're able to catch or, or because you get a net. Uh, anyway, and I don't want to like like little krill and little things like that. You yeah, can like not horses and yes, yeah. exactly those things. You can't even like those are borderline. It's very difficult to see. I just find the whole game is like not like I thought it would be a perfect Steam Deck game, and I end up like getting a headache playing it on the Steam Deck. And it's like when I play it on my big screen, it's just like oh, this is the way it's meant to be played. You know, yeah. Like if it feels, I don't know if you find the same, or maybe there's a way to change it and make it the resolution better. But when I went into the settings, I couldn't do that. I've um, I've had I've had these experiences before, and I gotta say, like, uh, primarily I am playing it on the Steam Deck in docked mode. I treat my Steam Deck like like I do a Switch. It's mostly in docked mode or in docked mode, but occasionally when I want to just do some handheld gameplay, I will I will play handheld. But I would say 90% of the time, Dave the Diver is in docked mode. 10% of the time, I, I'm playing handheld. I think there was one moment where I was catching up on some some uh, you know TV I didn't really need to pay attention to completely. Uh, looking at you, The Walking Dead, uh, I figured, hey, I'll watch The Walking Dead and I will you know do some fishing in Dave the Diver. Um, and, so this is the thing because 90% of the time, I think you know. Now it's come back to me. The game we specifically talked about before was Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And, well, how do you play that in, in handheld mode? You know, you can't see anything. And you're absolutely right. Like, it's very tough to to um, see some of the details. But because I've played so much in docked mode, when I'm in handheld mode, it's just sort of like m- muscle memory. Like, my brain's yeah, right. able to fill in sort of what I'm clearly missing on the smaller screen. Right, right. But I guess I, I just say that, and that's great, but it's like, it, it's not optimized. Like, it, it's kind of like, I would just say to somebody, because I love Dave the Diver and I'm about to gush on it big time. But I would just say like, if you're only, if, if you're like, oh, this is a perfect Steam Deck game, I would say, no, it's not. It's not at all. And it's it's like, there's, you could do, much better on the Steam Deck with a game that's more like res like because when a game is ported to Switch, it's it it takes into account this stuff. But like the Steam Deck is trying to adapt to everything, right? And it it is challenging, especially with new releases. So I just find that like unless there's a feature I'm not seeing, it is really not a great game to play in the portable mode of the Steam Deck, which is when I see Steam Deck, I don't mean dock because docked is just like a computer, like or like whatever. I mean, I mean like in 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 portable mode. And if you didn't have that muscle memory that Ryan's talking about, then you would be like really lost. Like I think at certain points of the game, and there's a lot of like you have a phone and there's icons and there's different things and messages and even the text back and forth between the characters. But that said, I just wanted to talk about that first and set that aside first before talking about the game. Because, Ryan, you and I, I think recently even, we were talking about like sort of how 2023 is like a murderer's row of all these games. And how one thing that I'm looking forward to is a game that I had not had on my radar and that you know surprises me and is amazing. Like I almost like those much more than the games that I'm anticipating for so long because those games can only either really meet my expectations or disappoint me. Um, 
they can't really like if I'm pipe pumped and hyped, they're not going to punch above that pump it and hype normally. Um, it's very, very, very rare uh, for that to happen. Whereas Dave the Diver is the exact type of game that can really be like comes out of nowhere. I've never heard of it, like zero, did not hear about it. Then, then, um, I personally like those types of games where and it. it, it, it Dave is one of them. There's digging games like this as well, like Steam World Dig and all this, where you go down and you go on runs, like roguelike runs to accrue stuff, and then you have to come back to the surface, and then you can upgrade or spend stuff. I love those types of games, and this is one of them. So when I saw this, and it's pixel art, and I'm a scuba diver, my scuba diving instructor looked like Dave, like rotund and like super agile in the water and then out of the water, like he, not at all. And, and so just everything about it, I was like, man, this, this, this game is for me. What made you pick it up, Ryan? Uh, well, it's, it's, it was actually a, a recommendation from, from Scott on like all of his shows. He was gushing about uh, Dave, the diver uh, during early access. And I had an opportunity to, um, to uh, work with the the PR company, so I got a code for the game, and uh, during early access, I played all of early access, really enjoyed it, and uh, you know either way, like I, I think like like you, I really enjoy the sort of the the day to day um, uh, parts of these type of games where you like are doing something you know, on a time system, but, but the game really had like this, uh, relaxed feel to it in that there are deadlines for you to do stuff, but they're very loose in the sense that like, oh, I've got lots of time to do that. Like it, it didn't really feel stressful to me. So like that was the thing that kind of won me over, uh, as I was sort of determining if it was something that was, I was going to enjoy. I, I really appreciated that. And I, and I do enjoy like the restaurant management stuff. Um, during early access, when I was looking at what was offered there, it was, uh, it just seemed like it would be a lot of fun to like have, uh, the ability to, you know, manage this restaurant, hire staff and like see the, you know, the tips come in and making money and stuff like it is very satisfying. So like, that was kind of what brought me in. Like, I'm not, uh, we've even talked about it in the show. Like I, I'm not a big fan of like deep sea diving, but like the charm that this game had and the combination of like the 2d art and the 3d art, like there's actually like a combination to it. And it's not like true 3d, but it's like the 3d take on pixel art and they kind of mash it together where like the boats and the landscapes are all 3d and all the characters are 2d. And it's all, it's really well written to like all that stuff. Like there's just polish, all around here and it, it is fantastic it is honestly a fantastic game and i mean like if you're on the fence about this game i'd say like it's not it's not expensive like and for what you get the work it is really well worth it because it keeps it's like one of those games it keeps unlocking features as you go and it's almost like comical like you'll you'll do a thing and then there's a new feature there's a new yeah. app on your character's phone and so forth and so on but somehow it never becomes overwhelming. And if anything, it just makes the world feel more interesting, more dynamic. And, uh, and like to, to Ryan's point about the art style, like there, there there's um, there, this game is full of these cutscenes. 
it, the cutscenes are not what like when I say cutscenes, you might think of like a Final Fantasy story cutscene or something like that. These are really a just like character jokey cutscenes. So, for example, whenever you upgrade a gun, and there's guns in this game, or whenever you, um, you know, discover a new type of sushi or, or what have you, there will be a little animated scene that will play involving the character. Uh, so either the sushi chef, the the gunsmith, any of these characters. So, uh, sometimes there's special people that come in the restaurant, they try food and they get a special scene. All of those scenes are done in, in this like advanced pixel art. They look amazing. I find they just look so fantastic. And they are hilarious. They're all over the top. I never skip any of them, even if I see repeats. And there are many of them. But they are just so funny um, and so fun to watch and so over the top. And so they they pep they're throughout the game. And every time I think, God, there can't be more of these. They'll un- they'll be a new feature or a new character unlocked. And they'll have their own scenes like that. And they're so rewarding to get those. And then, you know, there's like a weird sort of story Far be it for you to ever think that this is a realistic scuba diving game, and it is not. Um, even though there's all sorts of different co- types of fish and stuff in the water, there's a lot of like sharks and stuff that just automatically attack you, and you got to use your speed. Like there's action and all this, but there's also mermaids and like underwater kingdoms, and and it's very much over the top uh and so even though the name is very you know dave the diver oh you're just playing as a little it it's really like like uh it, it almost feels like a triple a indie like it feels like an indie that has got so much stuff in it so with such a high level of care and they've just nailed every aspect of it that it it feels like it's you know it's a high high level indie and so like i mean i would i would recommend it to everyone it also fits really well in your day because and this is the one element that lends itself to Steam Deck is that every day in-game day is divided up into like a morning, afternoon, evening, and, and you have some choices to make. They generally it's dive, dive, sushi restaurant. Um, but so you get two dives in the sushi restaurant, but it can be, you know, it can be different. You can mix it up and you unlock new things and and, and new stuff. And I know there's gonna be mini games and other things, and I, I'm sure um there'll be more to find but i've been loving it too right yeah no it it is fantastic and and as you pointed out uh earlier like they are constantly adding new stuff to various parts of the game so they'll add additional features for the fishing aspect additional features for the meta management where you're getting like a farm and a and a fish farm and and stuff like that and then also adding on to what you get on the restaurant side of it. So like they're just constantly adding, but you never, you never feel overwhelmed. And there is, um, I I'm curious, uh, there's a moment where you do these, uh, uh, cooking show, uh, face-offs and in early access, it's kind of just, you, you gathered the ingredients and, and then you either won or didn't based on whether you completed the dish. But then as I was playing the 1.0 launch, like they added in like a Cooking Mama uh, mini game, had no idea that was in the game. And I was like, I wonder if this was added post launch. And that's where I'm getting all these things uh, showing up. I never played Cooking Mama. What's what's that mini game? So like a Cooking Mama mini game and I never played Cooking Mama, but I've seen I've seen the videos of it. But essentially, it's like you have to perform 
these uh, micro games, these actions, like either pushing certain buttons or moving the control stick in a specific way in order to complete cooking food. Um, and they kind of replicate that within this game specifically for the um, reality show cook-off moments when the VIP enters and you have to yeah, you have to make a specific uh, dish. I haven't uh, I haven't got there. Uh, the only I have had some VIPs that come in, but I just have to get the ingredients. Okay, the only, so maybe the it's only, later on. The only thing I have to control right now is the pouring of drinks. Uh, so like a beer or tea or whatever, you have to pour it a certain amount. Yeah, uh, to and you get bonuses. But yeah, it's like the Susie Restaurant could be its own game, and then. The diving could be its own game, and then all the peripheral stuff could be its own game. It's like it should this like this game should not work. Like I don't understand how how it all works. I keep waiting for the thing that's gonna come in and be like, okay, like this is the one thing too many because I hate a lot of checklists and having stuff to do, but so far, like everything there's a couple of things that I ignore. Like there's some sort of Pokemon card trader guy who's like, yeah, you know, you get fish cards or something. I don't know if those do anything. Like, I don't really pay attention to that. So, like, there are some things like that, but for the most part, I'm constantly enjoying everything that I'm doing. I'm loving every dive that I go on. I'm trying to min-max them, even though there's no like I know that I could just go on another dive. And the thing about the diving, we should mention that it is linked hundred percent with your sushi restaurant. So, I mean, you're going down and you have these objectives that you're trying to do, like story objectives uh for side characters and different things that you're trying to complete but also like the fish that you catch on this and you find and it makes no sense but you find boxes of like cooking ingredients like you know soy sauce or something like that on the bottom of the sea like you find all these cooking things that that will allow you to make better or or improve your dishes at the sushi restaurant so like you can't neglect catching fish so like sometimes i'll see a a good fish and i'll be like oh i know that fish will make me big money sushi so i'm gonna i'm gonna go after it or and i love i love that stuff i love uh I love how it mixes both of them, but yet you you can just do it casually and not worry too much about it and do the story objectives. So anyway, it just feels like a really well put together game. And you know, it's all in 2D as well, which is kind of like, I don't know, nice, nice for something like this. Like I think if you were scuba diving and going through all these nooks and crannies and like I think that could be a good game, but it would be much more tiring. Yeah. No, it's it's very well balanced. So like you do you do two dives and then you do get the option for a third shorter dive for the nighttime dive. But like by the time you've done the dives and then you, you go into the, the the restaurant management, it's enough of a break from the dive that when you get back to the diving, it's like, oh, this is oh, oh it's good to be back. It, you know, it's it's got a yeah. well-balanced loop. And that nighttime dive you mentioned, like that's unlocked fairly. Like I just got that not too mm -hmm. long ago. So I mean, it's like it's again, it's one of those things where it's like later on they introduce, they introduce. You're like, they just keep adding new things. Oh, now you have a fish farm, or now you have this, or now the Greenpeace equivalent, or like trying to <laughs> protest, or there's just there's different different things. So I mean, very. Very good, very good game to to play while you're listening to that uh, Wolfie album that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Oh, and before we move on, like the very, very, very cool animation flourishes that they have. Like you mentioned the cutscenes, but like um, those cutscenes that they have, like just to bookend this, like they're they're amazing. Like there's there's really not a whole lot like that 
in games and they're like sometimes five seconds. Uh, they're all very, very short, but like they, they don't overstay their time there uh, with those cutscenes, And they're just, they're really, really fun to watch. And, and some of them are repeating and I find myself very rarely skipping them. If I've seen them, you know, once or twice previous, like it's, they're very, like, I love those animation flourishes. So, um, yeah, totally worth it. Definitely check out Dave the Diver. It's on Steam only, uh, but it is uh, Steam Deck compatible. But as Crofton and I stated, like, if you're just picking this up for handheld, you, you best be prepared to play a game that isn't quite suited for the small screen. But if you have a dock or a PC, definitely worth checking out. Uh, and as Crofton mentioned, this is a special episode. Uh, we have some some more special stuff to discuss as we enter the diapers. Um, but before we get to, uh, I have a little clip that I'm going to play that is uh, related to the uh, the number one Caden uh, bit. But before we do that, uh, Crofton has a very uh, a very well. I'm just going to say it, a very weird thing here: hamster sitting. You're you're taking care of some hamsters. One hamster, oh. yes. I, uh, so my kids uh, go to grade school, and they do all sorts of fun stuff. And one of the things that they did, uh, they, they got a classroom pet, so a hamster. And it was all paid for by this lovely uh, teacher's assistant uh, who paid for the hamster and all the food and took care of the hamster in class. Uh, sometimes during weekends, she lives in like a bachelor apartment, like and. She can't necessarily take – well, she can take the hamster home, but, uh, it you know, it has a big big sort of like – not a huge habitat, but big enough. And so she's always looking for people to take the hamster, and particularly during her summer vacation. So we threw – we were just like, oh, everybody's going to want Skittles, the hamster. Uh, let's throw our hat in the ring. Uh, and so we did for, but it turns out nobody wanted Skittles and we got Skittles for like essentially all of July. And now we're trying to talk about like, well, do we want Skittles all of July or are we going to send, send her back uh, for the latter half? Cause she is a little smelly sometimes, but, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really funny. And it's, it's that like the girls. And I think I, I mentioned this on the show about Gwen's, persuasive writing trying to convince me to get cats so we're pretty much convinced we're going to start looking at cats in the fall and so this is our first kind of go around with it with a pet in the house and uh yeah it's been it's been sort of one comedy of errors uh after the other and and they're nocturnal so like like i'll go up now after the podcast and i'll hear in the dark like this little hamster wheel spinning and all this but we're going to like <laughs> I, I'm spending my weekends going to pet stores, buying stuff for a pet that's not even mine. And it, the kids are like, we need to get a toy for Skittles. I'm like, why does Skittles need a toy? Like, I don't get it, you know. And Jesse's like, oh, it would be fun. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, it will, you know, I've been doing a good job so far. Skittles has been seemingly happy, hasn't bit anyone because he's a known, she's a known biter, supposedly. Um but uh, but yeah, it it that that's uh, that's my big pet news, Ryan. I I now have joined the world of the pet owners, or more importantly, the world of the pet borrowers. So uh, I am I am a good dad. Very good, very good. We're just really excited uh, on that front. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad. Um, 
it, like it's kind of funny you mentioned like the pet the class pet like i always felt like that was like a tv thing that it actually didn't happen and they didn't send the pet home with the kids like our kids had i think at best like a stuffy that they would send home and then you would take pictures of, like the, again which is also a tv thing but i guess happens in real life um but i know like the local zoo like lent a turtle to the classroom but the turtle never left the classroom um but it's uh it's interesting so like you mentioned you're, you're thinking of getting a cat obviously once the hamster is gone because that is just uh, that's another tv trope that's just waiting yeah. to happen um, so uh about the hamster yeah um, we yeah. bought a cat and uh you know a, a, a plot line from seinfeld one. happened so yeah, yeah there can only be one exactly um yeah i would love i i grew up uh i grew up on a farm and we we had always had lots of cats because uh that's what you have on a farm and uh i i would have loved to have a cat but but ashley is allergic and the kids will often ask for a cat because every time they go to grand grandma and grandpa's they always have kittens because again on a farm there are always kittens uh and and they love going to grandpa's because they get to they get to see the cats and they always ask, like, oh, can't we get a cat? Can't we get a cat? And I said, we can't because your mother's allergic. It would just it would not work. And and they're like, oh, well, we can keep we can we can keep uh, we can keep the cat in the shed. And I'm like, well, that's not very good either. Like, we can't like keep the cat <laughs> in the shed. Cats aren't really like supposed to be outdoors, I guess, in the city. I don't think you can have an outdoor cat in the city. Um, I think that's frowned upon. No, you're not. You're right. Uh, I think you're supposed to keep keep them inside as much mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we cannot get a cat, but we do have a small, very small dog who's actually sleeping uh, right now and snores quite loudly. But I don't. Well, think that's even it. more responsibility, Ryan. Yeah, but yeah. Well, this dog, I I think I don't know if you ever if you've ever seen. I hesitate to say her name because then she'll wake up. But uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Zoe, but she's just this like really small thing, and you don't. It's it's like a it's kind of like a cat. You really don't have to do anything, you know. Just feed her, throw the ball every once in a while. Uh, you know, she she's just very easygoing. So she so she's like, so she pees and poos in the litter box in your house. <laughs> no, you got to let her out. She is oh, well yeah. trained, though. You know, you gotta let her. Do you gotta walk her? Uh, no, we don't. We don't walk her because honestly, like she just runs around the house, and that's her. That's her exercise. But we, we, when we go outside, she comes outside with us. But she doesn't do well with other dogs. Like she's very small dog syndrome in that, like if she's on a leash and another dog's on a leash, she will, she will like uh, be very aggressive, and it's like, eh, you know. Um, she's good with other dogs when she's not on a leash and the other dog's not on a leash. Like when both dogs are not on a leash, totally fine. Like she is all, she's been around, um, bigger dogs, bigger family dogs in the past and no issues. But for some reason you introduce that leash and it's just, it, uh, it's not great. So, uh, we don't, we don't often, she's not well trained when it comes to walks, but she is a great dog when we are outside in the backyard, enjoying our nice open backyard uh, with no death traps, so uh, it works quite well. Well, maybe pets will be a topic in the future. Oh yeah, uh, on, on the show we can make we can make pets a, a, a diapers. Uh, I'll add it right a, now. We're pets. we're not having we're not having our, our. I know I mentioned uh, 
a future topic. Like obviously a hundredth episode. We're not, we don't have a topic today, but Ryan, we do have something else. Yes. So uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to do, I have a clip that I'm going to play live as we're recording for Crofton. And basically as promised, I sat down with Caden to discuss, uh, to discuss uh, this clip here. Bye. I'm Eman boy. I'm Caden. Bye. I'm Eman boy. I'm Caden. Uh, and the in the you know many episodes long debate of whether Caden is saying bye and remember I'm Caden. Caden, by the way, Ashley is like, of course that's what it is. Abby says, of course that's what it is. Um, but again, maybe we're just too close. We're too close to it, you know. Um, but we also did a poll on Twitter. I put the clip up on Twitter and we did a poll. Didn't get many votes, but you know what? Uh, <laughs> 75% of people agreed with Crofton. I I really tried my best to make sure that whenever I tried to do this poll, I did not want to give Crofton any leverage to say like, oh, you 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 have the password to the Twitter. You you, you talked to your son. You, you, uh, you rigged it. You made sure that they said... It's by, and remember, I'm Caden. So I put Crofton's option first. Uh, uh, by, I'm your number one, Caden. And, and you still won the Twitter vote. So I guess according to our Twitter followers, you're right, Crofton. Wait. Wait. First off, say that again. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the, you, got a, you got your one. Se- second off, so I made my entire family listened to this okay good multiple multiple times um and it there was something really bad that happened to me while while they were listening so they were listening gwen was like first off neither of them could make out what kaden was saying uh like gwen and jess clara was not really listening um and uh and they couldn't make out really what he was saying and then gwen thought he said uh something completely different like i'm I I forget what she she thought, but it was something different. And I said, no, it's got to be between these two things. Right. And I presented them. And they were – Jesse's like, I don't hear either of them. And Gwen was like, no, Dad, I think I think you're you're right. And I was like, okay, it's it's I'm your number one, Caden. And as she's saying that, we're playing it like over and over again. I heard for the first time – remember i'm caden oh um and i was like wait no and then i played it again and like i heard the r as a w like remember and i was like oh no ryan might be right here like it was just a moment of like Can you say that again and i was like ryan might possibly be right um and so so that said i'm not even hearing it like I, you have to understand that before this moment I could not even understand how you got to where you got. Like, I just did not get it. It like I listened to it, and you're like, "Well, I'm his dad. I know how he sounds." And I'm like, "Yeah," but he he's clearly saying, "I'm your number one, Caden." Like, there's nothing. Remember, I'm Caden. Where are you getting that from? There's no R in there. There's nothing. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But then all of a sudden, I heard it for the first time. And when I heard it for the first time, I had to give in to the possibility that you might be right. So then then I then I had them play it again. And then I was like, well, you know what? It still sounds more like I'm your number one, Caden. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I heard it, now I can hear Ryan's version of it. 
it's still I still think my version sounds more, but that doesn't mean that you're not right. So we need Caden to decide here. Is he able to do that for us? <laughs> no. Uh, well, here's the ah, thing. No, Ryan. <laughs> not to, not to uh, not to but we're we're gonna we're gonna play this clip uh, just as a warning. It is three minutes. We'll break it down if needed. I can pause it. But here we go. All right, everybody. We're here to solve a mystery. And I've brought along my uh, oldest son, Caden. Caden, say hi. Hi. Caden, uh, are you ready to hear this sound clip that uh, you recorded years ago? And I should also mention that my kid's app, Izzy, is yelling upstairs as we're recording this. So if you hear yelling, that's Isabel upstairs. It's very faint, but, but I remember it was it was quite loud. Anyways, here we go. And uh, a lot of people think you're saying one thing. I think you're saying another. And I want to get your take on it, right? So I want you to step up to the microphone here. Step a little closer. Perfect. All right. Are you ready for this sound clip? And I want you to listen to it. And I'll let you listen to it a couple times. And I want you to tell me what you think you're saying. This is you a couple years ago saying this. Here we go. Bye. I remember I'm Caden. Bye. I remember I'm Caden. Did you hear that? I have no idea. Okay, let's hear it again. Bye, I'm Emember I'm Caden. Bye, I'm Emember I'm Caden. Now, what do you think you're saying there? First thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> Bye, I'm Drum Caden. Drum Caden. Okay, I no so I, I'm going to say this. Like, I think you're saying bye and remember I'm Caden. No, I. Oh, can you play it again? I think yeah. I know what it says. Bye, I mean I'm from Caden. Bye, I mean I'm from Caden. Oh, he said, uh, bye, I mean I'm from Caden. Okay. So the other option that has come up was also, bye, and I'm your number one Caden. Yes, that one. Oh. That one's the best. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I'm number one. I knew. I knew you would, you would, you would jump out of your seat as soon as that happened. Uh, yeah, like, uh, he, okay, we'll pause there for a bit. He did, he obviously, seven-year-old kid jumps at the chance when someone says, of course, that's what we think he's saying, because, yeah, I'm number one, right? Uh, so, yeah. He, of course, it makes perfect sense. That's what he said it the first time. Yeah. Kids love to think that they're number one. Exactly. But, you know, it, <laughs> he, it does not end there. What? <laughs> so... <laughs> So you think that's what you're saying? Yes. You you think you're saying bye and and bye and I'm your number one, Caden. I'm not 100%, so I'm not that confident. You didn't even react when I said bye and remember I'm Caden. You just, you just, but you, when you heard bye and I'm your number one, Caden, you leapt at that. So that's what you think it is? No. Well, I'll... Bye, I'm your number one, Caden. Bye, I'm your number one, Caden. I know the stall is bye... Yeah, um, what is it again? Uh, I can't play it. Bye, I mean, I'm Caden. Bye, I mean, I'm Caden. I mean, I'm from. That's the start. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, the two options are bye and remember I'm Caden, or bye, I'm your number one, Caden. You have no idea. Okay, well, I guess the jury's still out. I, I We'll have to find out later on. Uh, now, Caden, we're gonna we're gonna do this again uh, real soon, and we're gonna talk about what what topic do you want to talk about? I have no idea. 
roller coasters. Yeah, I love roller coasters. All right, we'll do roller coasters. Well, that's it. I guess it's, uh, I guess Caden, the source, doesn't know what it is. <laughs> so there you go. He he also does not know. I I like how at one point he's like, he's like, I think it could be, I think it could be one one thing or the other. And uh, or, or no, he's he's like thinking out loud. He's thinking like, oh, it could be this or it could be that. And you're like, no, it has to be one of these two options, Caden. He's like, but it might be something else. You're like, no, it, it's either option A or option B. And he's like, what? <laughs> but uh, I didn't think it's funny. I also think it's funny how you were like Regis Philbin on Millionaire with Caden. <laughs> he, he's like, he he tells you what it is, and you're like, buddy, are you sure that's what it is? Because uh, that's not what I think it is. And then he's like, okay, maybe it's something else than that. <laughs> you make it sound like I'm coercing him. But really, at the end of the day, I think uh, he, yeah, uh, I mean, this is the thing. He's hearing his voice for the first time. I had not prepared him for the clip. I hadn't played it beforehand before we started recording. So he's hearing this voice himself two years in the past. Obviously, a lot has has happened in the last two years in terms of his, his, his you know, speaking ability. Um, you know, we're always evolving. So like he's hearing it for the first time and, and he's also trying to decipher what he's saying. Well, you know, one thing that hasn't changed in the past two years, Ryan, What's he's that? still, he's still the number one Caden. Yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree on that <laughs> specific statement. Um, well, here's the thing, folks, uh, that is going to, um, that that is going to lead us into uh, our next few uh, segments here, which we do have uh, a conversation uh, between Crofton and Gwen, and then uh, after that, we'll have another conversation between myself and Caden. As you heard there, teased to be roller coasters. Oh, oh, nice, Caden's here. So I'll just cue up Gwen's conversation with me. Uh, and, uh, so we just had a chat cause you know, it's the hundredth episode, right? So I wanted to do something special. Uh, Gwen is, was excited to participate. And I, I said, what do you want to talk about? She's like, can we talk about Zelda? I said, absolutely. We can talk about Zelda. I said, but most importantly, you're going to talk about Zelda. So she mostly talks about it. And I ask her some questions. She shares a fun little story. It's about eight minutes with Gwen. So, uh, hope you all enjoy that. So for this 100th episode of Dungeons and Divers, I'm uh, welcoming my lovely daughter, Gwen, who is a guest on the show. Gwen, welcome. Hi. And Gwen, uh, do you know why you're here today? To answer questions? Yes, but do you know about what? No. I'm going to be asking you questions about Tears of the Kingdom, because even though I mention you on the show all the time, lately we've been talking about the new Zelda game, and you and I have been playing it a bunch. So first off, I want you to tell me, and don't think about it too much, just tell me, what do you think about this game? I think it's good, and I think it's better than Breath of the Wild, because I think the powers it gives you are better, and I think... It, it has more stuff for you, more hidden secrets, more Koroks, and I just think there's more and more stuff to do. What's your favorite power? My favorite power is called Ultra Hand. It's really hard for me to say. Ultra Hand, yeah. Yes, but it lets you build things 
outer materials. You can build cars, planes, and so much more. Sounds like you wouldn't need horses then if you've got all that stuff. I really like horses though. <laughs> but why why wouldn't you just drive your car all over the place? There must be something that stops you. Yes, you have like a battery. So if you want out a battery, your car stops and you have to wait some time and then ta-da, all the batteries back. So it sounds like if there's all this building and stuff that it wouldn't have as much adventure as Breath of the Wild. Does it have as much adventure? It has more because you can solve a lot of puzzles with building. You can solve a lot of things, but you don't need to do it if you don't want to in the free world. You can just go around, explore, and fight bad guys. But isn't it the same world as Breath of the Wild? Like if I just started playing, wouldn't I know where everything is? Kind of, but there's more. There's underground and above. Underground is called the depths. It's like a giant hole and that leads under Hyrule. And there's gloom. And gloom is like, if you step in it, it drains your energy. So you get a crack in your heart and you need the sunlight to get it back. So there's a bunch of gloom around these holes. And you jump in and it's very, very deep. But then when you get in, there's a whole spot under high wall. And well, let's say there's a vinyl, which is a big, tough, bad guy. And that's what it's called. Above ground, if you go under the depths, exactly where it is, there's a vinyl layer too, but covered with gloom. So even more dangerous. Yes. It can crack your heights. And there's no lights in the depths, except for bright loot, which are... Under where swines are. And if you don't know what swines are, they're likely as walks. And you can go inside and they have puzzles. And for completing puzzles, they give you a voyage. And if you go underneath one in the depths, there's a blight root. And if you activate it, then it gives you light from above. And then your heights uncrack. Interesting. So is there, the only new area is the depths then? No. If you go above, it's not as big as the depths, but there's Sky Islands. You probably know what they are. They're in their name. There's islands floating in the sky. So there's so many ways to get up there, but once you get up, there are lots of things. The enemies change up there, and there's lots of maps and they make an normally in the depths. And they are great to go to because there's lots of supplies that you cannot get on Hyrule. So the only way is to go up to the Sky Islands. And there's lots of things to do there, believe it or not. I, I'm curious. Before we go here, I'm, I'd like you to tell me a story of something. Pick anything that happened in Tears of the Kingdom. Because one thing I love is that, you know, you'll come up. Sometimes you'll play without me. And you'll be like, oh, oh, I got a story to tell you. And then you'll tell me something crazy. So tell people listening a story of, of something that you did. May, preferably something without me. So once I was around the stable, which is a place where there's horses and it's basically like a home there's no bad guys and i went out near it and i see this giant bad guy called a hinox and a hinox is like a giant troll it's really really big with one eye 
and it walks pretty slowly, though. And then there's a bunch of pigs around it, which are called baboblets, and they're another type of enemy. And they're like, okay, but they could change levels. There's orange, which is not very tough. And then there is blue, which is, like, kind of tough. And then there is black, which is pretty tough, like a my level of fighting. And then there is silver, which is pretty hard. Sorry to cut you off. So, like, for the listeners, Ryan Murphy would be, like, a red and I would be, like, a silver. Okay. Keep, keep going. So, then... So, there was a bunch of silver pigs around him. So, in the depths, there's this flower called a muddle bud. And if you throw it or shoot it on an arrow at a bad guy, it will mix them up and make them start fighting other bad guys. But if there's no other bad guys around, they'll just fight you. So, you only want to use this. It, uh, there's a lot of other bad guys around. So I shoot it at the Hinox. Not in his eyes, though, so he can get white to what he's doing. So he beats up all the silver pigs around him. And the silver pigs do a little bit of damage to him, but not much. So then I finish him off by shooting arrows at his eyes and fighting him. And I finish. And then I go to walk away. And... While I'm walking, a gloom starts coming out of the ground. And then I realize the blood moon is happening. So for people that don't know what the blood moon is, it happens once a week in Zelda. And it's when all the bad guys, enemies that you've defeated, come back to life. So the Hinox I beat and all the fellow pigs came back and I fought them again. That's crazy. Um, so just to close out, I got two questions for you before you go. Number one, uh, there is a controversy that's tearing the Dungeons and Diapers uh, universe apart, which is what is Caden saying in that voice clip? And you and I listened to it earlier multiple times. And so is he saying, bye, I'm your number one Caden? Or is he saying, bye, remember I'm Caden? Or do you think he's saying something else? I listened to it, and he repeated it, but once he said very clearly, bye, remember I'm Caden. Remember I'm Caden? I think. Oh, jeez. All right, we'll edit this part out. Finally, uh, last question for you. Um, If you had a swimming pool, if we got a swimming pool in our backyard, uh, would would you be happy about that? Yes. Okay, what if then, after I had that swimming pool, I took a bulldozer and I filled it full of dirt and buried it? Would you be happy about that? No, I'd beat you up. I know. It would be ridiculous, right? Yes. Yeah, no further questions. All right, thanks, Gwen. Uh, And that's it. That was Gwen Steers on this 100th episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Good job. Yay! All right, for episode 100 of Dungeons and Diapers, we are continuing our special guest trend with Caden, uh, my oldest son. Caden, uh, how's it going? Good. That's good. Uh, so we're going to have a conversation uh, for for this 100th episode, and I thought uh, it would be fun 
if we talked about your latest obsession, which is roller coasters. So I know that you have been going to Canada's Wonderland with your uncles quite a bit <laughs> this year. And all I hear about is these roller coasters that you love. And uh, let's kick it off with your your five favorite roller coasters at Canada Wonderland. So my fourth favorite coaster is Yukon. It's the drop is kind of scary. I would say if you look down, I like when I look down, I, I close my eyes. And it's pretty fun. And my fifth, so now that's number one. So basically, now my second one is, no, all of them. Oh, all of them. Your second one, so your first favorite is Yukon. Yeah. Isn't it Yukon Striker? Yeah, and I just call it Yukon. You just call it, you're that close with it. You're that, you're, you're that, uh, <laughs> you're that cool with the Yukon Striker that you call it Yukon. Okay, so you just went on Yukon Striker because you just got tall enough to go on it. And by the way, folks, I won't go on any of these rides. Yeah. I go on the kids stuff. And I can go on Flight Deck. What's Flight Deck? So, so what, basically, well, my uncle tells me it's pretty rough. Pretty rough? How is yeah. it rough? Because you hang bangs around, he says. Oh, really? Okay. So, um, last time I was, uh, last time I was at Canada's Wonderland was with you and, and your aunts and your uncles and your grandparents. And it was the first time I've been in 25 years. It had been a long time. And uh, I, I'm not a roller coaster person. I remember when I went, when I was a kid, I went on like a 4D experience theater ride and that was about it. Um, but this time I went on the Snoopy ride, which is brand new. It's like a roller coaster, like an actual roller coaster for kids. Have you been on that one yet? Um, yeah, a couple times. Oh, okay. Well, let's go back to Yukon Striker or Yukon as you call it. Um, what, what makes that one special? Like how high do you go? So it's my highest coaster yet. And it's one of the ones that I can see from the front of the park. Yeah. But how high does it go? Do you know? No, but I know it's a 90 degree angle. Right. So you like, that's the one where you go all the way to the top and they like hold you for a couple seconds as you, and it's a straight drop? Yeah. Face first? Yeah, straight down. And it forces you to look down. So you can't look up on the drop, but you can close your eyes. I closed my eyes until we started moving. <laughs> and it looks like you can't, it looks like, like there's a tunnel. Yeah, it looks like this big. Well, it's an audio podcast. They can't see. Can you like kind of describe how big yeah, it is? Yeah, well, like, probably like, I don't know. Like, like how many centimeters? Um, what's a centimeter? <laughs> <laughs> like how, like, would it be as tall as you? Um, probably, like, even if you're up close, it's like this big. Okay, St still an audio I, podcast. I have no idea. Okay, couple feet, but I think it's big enough that you went through. You obviously yeah, survived. Yeah, you always you always go through, but it's like you won't sit. But one because you're far away, and two because they have this special design. The roof is over the walls, so it looks like because it's a straightforward drop, and when it bends, like it looks like it's gonna just look small. Okay. 
Um, so Yukon Striker, big fan. Like you mentioned, all the other coasters are your favorite. Is is there like another coaster that you haven't been on yet that you're like looking forward to? Is it Saying, next on the list? Like I can go on it? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said like the next one you're looking towards because I know Yukon Striker I'm, was the one. I'm looking towards. So I have a couple. Uh-huh. This one's not a coaster, but it is pretty fun. Which I is think. It? what? What? Yeah. What is it? Well, it's called Wind Seeker. So what you do? Sorry, Ring Seeker. Wind. Wind Seeker. And you basically what you're doing is you're spinning like two hundred feet in the air. Whoa. And and plus your sideways. So what if like my next ride that I thought we should go on was like the teacups? I think you're talking about spinnadle. No, no, I'm talking about the literal teacups where you like spin the thing in the middle and you just go around in circles. That sounds like more up my like my speed, I think. Okay. Well, I went on kind of like that. It wasn't that kind of wonderland, but like I, I, I think I know. Yeah, like so you're spinning, and and then you're in this thing, you, and then the then you spin this wheel and you're spinning. When it's spinning. Yeah. And then that is spinning. Yeah. So you're spinning in three different directions. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of another question for you. Uh, so when you go to Canada... Oh, you know what? This is kind of related. It's not roller coaster related, but it's Canada's Wonderland related. But you went to an arcade after Canada's Wonderland when you last went with... Uh, your uncles and your grandparents. What was it like going to the arcade for the first time? Well, it wasn't scary at all, but No. I mean like I I didn't I don't know. It was fun. What was your favorite game that you played there? Um I didn't play this deal, but I bought it. Okay. It's called Connector. Uh-huh. So what you do is you have these pegs on a triangle, leave one hole. And then you jump over a peg, and then you take the jumped peg out. Oh. And you have to jump into a blank spot. You won that with your tickets, right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, it sounded like you had a lot of fun, and I think uh, to wrap up this first Cadence Corner, where he's talking about roller coasters and his time at uh, Dave & Buster's, um, what's your, uh, like... What's the first thing you go to when you get to Canada's Wonderland? What's the, what's the first thing you want to do? Like, what's the first okay, ride? Okay, so, so you mean in next time I go? I mean, just in general. Like, when you get like, into the you, gates. Well, I'll tell you a couple rides. Okay. I, you, so, once I wanted to go on Vortex, once I went on um, Dragonfire, and another time I went on, I would say it's, it's not that steep, but I mean, it's it's fun. It's a shooting game. And you can choose if you go backwards. What? The bat? Well, I don't know what they are. I don't know any of these rides. <laughs> I was in the I was Daddy, in the splash pad. Daddy probably went on it. No. It's not that crazy. I went to the, so when I went, I went on the when I went with you guys, I went on most of the kids' rides in the kids zone. And then I went on that boat thing, the boat that goes up and down. But yeah, it was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. 
I think we really enjoyed our time there, and I know you guys have been enjoying it. But like you, when are you going back again? Do you know? Um, maybe if Mum lets me, we'll go at the end of Kids Fest, and then we'll see the Ninja Turtles. And Kids Fest. The Kids Fest is running like probably like all this like month. Wow. Do you work for Canada's Wonderland? You know, no. the, you know all the promos? I just knew. I just knew. Okay. And the the coast that we were talking about was... Don't oh, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is your first podcast, but like mm. one of the rules is you don't bang on the table when you... You're worse than Crofton. Okay. Um, sorry. Drum roll. Uh, now, what What are you... Uh... Um, Guardians of Wonder Mountain. Guardians of Wonder Mountain. That's a ride you've been on? Yeah, and it's the the fourth time I went on it, it was kind of scary because I went backwards. Uh-huh. But the drop was the scariest because I was too scared to hang on to the gun. And, like, you don't go down, the track goes down. Oh, and, and so, sorry, you're going to go see the Ninja Turtles movie as well? Like, am I invited? Can I come? Well, there's Ninja Turtles at Kids Fest at the end of the month. Oh, there is. The Ninja Turtles are going to be there. Yeah, at the end of the month. I, we have free time to go to Canada's Wonderland, but I don't think Mummy will come. Who's but, your favorite turtle? Um, Ninja Turtles. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I like all of them. Who's your favorite turtle? You know, the ninja ones. No, um, who's your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? <laughs> Silly. Um, I think... I'm not asking you to pick your favorite child. I'm asking you to pick your favorite Ninja Turtle. <laughs> um, so you mean... This is getting funny. The turtles. Okay. Uh, my favorite's Donatello. Well, my favorite is the ones when they are little turtles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, they fall into the sewers. Like, I like that part. Oh, okay. Well, we will, uh, hey, maybe when you see that movie, we'll have you back on the show and you can give okay. us a review. Well, well, so there's a couple more rides that would go on. So I would go on Yukon and, and like, probably when I get older, probably we'll, we'll run straight to the middle of the park, probably go and drop down when I'm tall enough, mm-hmm. and a bunch of rides, yeah. all of them. You can tell you were at uh, at Grandma's because you kind of lost your voice. All the all the fun stuff you were doing, eh? <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we wrap this up? Let's say goodbye for today. Happy 100 episodes, Dungeons and Diapers. Caden, thank you for helping me celebrate by telling me all about your favorite roller coasters at Canada's Wonderland. Caden, um, why don't you say uh, goodbye to everybody? Goodbye. All right. We'll see you on the other side, folks. Now that we're uh, back from those lovely segments, uh, I did want to tease our next episode, episode 101. I feel like our topic, I think we've set it up. It's Crofton's topic. And you're going to be doing talking to teachers slash parents. Is that still the uh, the plan? Still the plan. Although now we're in the summer season, so it's not necessarily topical. Mm. But uh, I do think that it's it's worth uh, it's worth going over. So if, if listeners have... Um, thoughts on on or want to share ta- uh, stories about when they have had to speak to a teacher or a, a another parent 
um, then I'd be I'd be keen to hear them. Ryan, be keen to hear them. We'll talk about them on the show. We'll share about some some of the times that we've had to do it, uh, and little tricks and tips that 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 have worked for us or haven't worked for us or lessons learned and stuff. So that's uh, talking to I want to I don't know talking to adults about your children. I'm not sure. I don't know yeah. what it is, but it's it's talking to the people that that are you're kind of your partners in in. Uh, in supporting your children growing up, but aren't you or your wife? <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah. It could be daycare providers as well. Like I know I have very different conversations with the daycare provider than I do with the, uh, with the teachers. So yeah, I think it's a great topic. I would say that maybe the one exception that I would draw into this whole adults thing is like family, like grandparents and stuff. I think that kind of merits its own topic. Like, you know, um, because I think grandparents occupy a different space that, um, that you wouldn't, you know, like the strategies you might put together to talk to a teacher or a parent. It's not the same that to talk to your own mom and dad. It's going to be a bit different, right? So I think that could be its own thing sometime. Yeah. No, I agree. That's uh, It's definitely a, a different kind of beast depending on um, your family dynamics. So Look forward to that in a couple weeks, uh, talking to teachers slash parents slash adults that help you raise your children uh, that aren't grandparents. Well, it'll be a whole thing. The The title will go into a whole other image when we finally do that episode art. Um, speaking of episode art, go to our website, tgistudios.com slash dad. You'll see all of our past episodes there, including our fancy new artwork template that uh, Croft and I have both had a lot of fun filling out for each episode. You can email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. If you have some thoughts that you want to get in early on talking to teachers slash parents, our next topic. Also follow us on Twitter. Yes, we are still on Twitter and it is still tweeting. It's still happening. You can find me at our Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at D&DCast. That's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great week. And we'll see you soon. 100 episodes, everybody. 100. Woo. Woo. Longest podcast in the world. Woo. Cue the pyros. <laughs> yeah, fireworks. We're just really excited uh, on that front. There you go. Excited to learn more. That's Daddy, that's Mommy, that's Abby, that's Isabel, that's Zoe on Daddy, do-do-dee, that's Kaden, do-do-dee. Boy, I'm your member, I'm Kaden, boy, I'm your member, I'm Kaden. As I mentioned, not being a mathematician, I need to, I need to dig into it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that one was just random. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right.